0: Absolute joy and an honor. Um, I think some of you might remember that it was, uh, I think it was in December when on a Saturday night at 10 minutes to seven, I got the call from Peter and pastor Scott was going to speak the next day. If I have this right, Scott, and he took ill and they, uh, had asked another missionary to speak. And that evening the missionaries back went out. And so Peter called and said, Judy, can you share? And I did. And um, then uh, fast forward a couple weeks, I got a, a, a call from Peter, and he said that Pastor Scott had asked if uh, he could have two other people on the preaching teaching team with him, and uh, that the the board had asked if I would be one of the uh, preacher teachers. And I was uh, and am so honored and so very humble uh, by this assignment. Peter also said that, uh, that Pastor Scott would be doing, uh, probably like, uh, series teaching. And therefore, when I knew my Sunday, I would know what my assignment was, um, more than 10 o'clock or, you know, 7 o'clock on Saturday night. And so I really liked that. I thought, how cool is that? That, you know, I'll get an assignment ahead of time. We can do some deep diving into the scripture. And I was so excited about that. So a couple of weeks ago, I got an email from Pastor Scott. And uh, in all fairness, he gave me the choice of two Sundays. Uh, but this was the only one that was going to uh, work this month in our schedule. And so he asked me if I would preach on the 16th. And um, he gave me the passage and I uh, I returned this email to him. I said uh, thanks for the invitation to speak, Pastor Scott. Sunday February, February 16th will work. I'll attempt to tackle with God's help Matthew 5:21-37. Shouldn't be too challenging. Just a little lightweight subject dealing with anger, lust, divorce, and oath. <laughs> Signed, Judy. <laughs> to which he responded, Thanks so much. You're a brave servant. <laughs> God's wisdom in your time of preparation. So indeed, I have a doozy to preach today. Uh, keep in mind, I'm the messenger. Okay, <laughs> don't shoot. Okay, but um, and it, it brings me a measure of comfort to know that when Jesus uh, was teaching on the, uh, the doing the Sermon on the Mount, that they said it took him days to to do this. And so, you know, I've got a little bit of time here on Sunday morning to. To hit some heavyweight uh, topics here, so uh, bear with me. We're going to plow through this, and um, uh, I have a little army of people that are praying for me this morning and just praying for your hearts, all of our hearts that will be open to receive this. Um, so, when Jesus is talking to his group of disciples, and as that group uh, enlarged, as he's teaching, there were a lot of Pharisees that were in this group. And, of course, you know that the Pharisees are the uh, letters of the law, it's very, you know, scrupulous in their looking at the law and trying to live it out and always wanting to just kind of trick Jesus or ask him, you know, trick questions. And I found it interesting in this passage, again, if you have your Bibles or I know there are Bibles uh, in front of you or on your phones or wherever. Um, but Matthew five twenty-one through 37. And so uh, a phrase that he uses in the four subjects that I'm going to be dealing with. Is, uh, he says, You have heard it said, and then he'll go on to say what they have heard it said, but then he goes, But I say unto you. So I want you to understand the context of what I'm sharing today that Jesus is breaking some of these rules, regulations into ways that will help us. It is all for our own good. So what he is saying here as hard as it is, he is just getting right right to the main point. Um Wes and I we love the uh the AT and T commercials. Just good isn't good enough. I think those are like my favorite, favorite, favorite commercials okay and so this really is kind of what Jesus is saying in here that just 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 okay did I say that right I didn't say it right thank you just okay is not okay I'm sorry I got it wrong I should know I love these I, I break for the commercials okay but anyway um so he's telling them that well let's start off with the first one anger so in verse 21, you have, heard, you have heard that it was said to those of old that you shall not murder. And then he goes on to say, whoever murders will be liable to judgment. So you would think that, again, and the Pharisees, you know, they're looking at the Ten Commandments. These are things that they can check off. You know, hey, do not murder. That's an easy one to check out if I can assume most of us in this room have not murdered someone, okay? Hopefully haven't even thought of it, okay? But anyway, that we have not murdered someone. But he's saying, but I say to everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Okay, it's like, wow. All of a sudden, this kind of makes it really personal. Because it's easy to say, well, I'm not going to murder anyone. I, I think it's pretty safe to say that everyone in this room... That we will not, Wes, I'm so sorry. I typically don't have to have drinks. Like I told you, I'm going to need a jug of water today. I put a little water over there on that table, but you go and get it, okay? We're going to get through this. (laughs) But Jesus doesn't even want us to act out on anger, to have this growing in our heart. Thank you, babe. Excuse me, everyone. When we look at um, okay, thinking of murder, I I have never that I'm aware of talked with anyone in person who actually murdered someone. The closest I ever to I got to someone was someone who was an accomplice. Uh, to a uh, murder and some of you heard her story a couple years ago we had my friend Anne; she came and shared at one of our, our uh, yes luncheons and uh, through a connection of a friend that worked at the women's chino um, or yeah prison over in um i think it was chino i'm, I'm sorry i keep looking at you okay but anyway um she told me one day my friend she said oh judy if you could ever get over to the prison where she worked she said i would love for you to meet ann ann is a new believer and she is on fire for god in the prison but she just needs a you know a, a woman a mentor a friend and would you be interested in being that well i went through the hoops and there are some to be able obviously to uh, be able to visit someone in prison and um uh, uh, we started corresponding, Anne and I did, and oh my word, this girl is just like, she's just this beautiful, beautiful Christian girl. And so I went through the hoops, I went to visit her, and uh, this was my first time. Wes and I had done a prison ministry thing down in Southern California, but this was my first time to go and visit in a prison alone. And it was very intimidating, and uh, you have certain, you know clothing that you can and cannot wear and there's just all kinds of regulations but the eerie part is when the guard comes and gets you and you go through and you hear those doors just closing (laughs) all around you You just hear clink 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 this closing and then you know that okay god don't leave me now (laughs) come in here with me check in and then you go into a, a, a big room, and I met Anne, and as soon as I met her, it's just like all, all guards were down. There was this beautiful Christian woman. And just in a nutshell, her story, she's Vietnamese, and she grew up in a very dysfunctional family. She uh, uh, They moved to the States, and uh, uh, there was just uh, a lot of abuse in her background, just very, very dysfunctional. And so as she grew up, she just started looking for love and life in all the wrong places and got up, caught up in just to the whole uh, scenes of, you know, drugs, sex, and just all kinds of bad choices. And so at one point, she and her live-in boyfriend, they were just barely making ends meet. Anne was working for a jeweler um, down in the L.A. area, and they would go and, you know, do fairs and sell their wares. And so anyway, her, her, her boyfriend's friend, uh, talked Anne into setting it up so the boyfriend and this friend could rob her boss. And so Anne actually went along with it and she knew what Saturday morning her boss was going to come to her place and pick her up to take her to, you know, one of their jewelry fairs. And so when he came and pulled up, uh, the two guys were out there, and the intention was that they were going to just rob him. But uh, he fought back, and the friend uh, pulled a gun and shot and killed her boss. And so Anne um, immediately went and turned herself in. And so she was serving 20-some years. Um, she was in for that long to life. And she was able to get out um, probably about two years ago. She lives in the Stockton area now. But here is the amazing thing. While she was in prison, she was in the courtyard one day, and there was a light that shone down on her. It was totally, when she told me, it was like a Saul-Paul-on-the-way-to-Damascus type of an experience where she was just overcome with, there's more to life and there has to be a God. And that that night she went to a Bible study. The same thing happened. And she walked into a room and just felt such light and such peace inside. She then discovered what the Bible was all about. What God was about. How much God loved her. She turned her life over to God. And while in prison, God used Anne to reach So many women prisoners for him. There are so many that are brought into the fold because of this little Vietnamese faithfulness to obey. So she was totally repentant of her part. She knows that she was the accomplice. And even though she didn't pull the trigger, it was as though she did. She took full responsibility for that. So, you know, when I would look at her life, it it was easy then to read scripture and, you know, understand for sure thou do not murder but now jesus here is saying do not do not get angry now some of us in the room maybe can you know uh have uh, shall i say better anger management they say there are three types of uh of anger there's the passive aggression the open aggression and the assertive anger now we actually saw Jesus uh, uh, earlier in Scripture when He did show a sort of anger when He cleared out the temple. Remember that story? Okay, that's for another day, right, Pastor Scott? But anyway, um, there are you know some that really have uh, passive aggression where you know they just keep it inside. They would rather not confront. They would they don't want to let it go. But then it just in time it just really manifests itself. In self, in other areas, uh, that are not healthy. So that, that, that part isn't good. And then of course, open aggression. We all know what that kind of anger looks like. I, I say we all know, at least if nothing else. If you come from a family that, you know, there are no, uh, uh, um, and I thank God I'm married to a man that doesn't show open, uh, aggression. I don't, right? I know. <laughs> but anyway, um, he didn't answer. But um I've heard about, you know, stories that we hear on the news and just drive by shootings and just, you know, people that just uh, they just have so much anger just bottled up. Well, he's just telling us he doesn't want that in us. And it's for our own good. It's like we can see that that any kind of anger that is not dealt with and that is not brought to the cross, that it has its it 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 has its ways of creeping up and adding to what we would consider would be greater sins. I mean, sin is sin, right? But a greater way of separating us from God. So we understand why He put that there. Um, the next part, Wes, I'm going to tag you, and He knows that I have asked him if he would come up and if um if he would share the
1: story. How many of you have a life verse? Okay, I was asked that question when I was in grad school. And my girlfriend at the time just asked, asked it in a way that if you're a Christian, of course you have a life verse. So it's like, oh, okay, I, I better have a life verse. So I am thinking in my heart of let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Something that Scott just preached on a couple weeks ago. And just um, that verse was was in my heart. But she she said just just tell me where it's found. She did, she said I don't need to have you quote it, but just where is it found? And so I kn- I knew it was in the sermon about Matthew five. I knew it was an even number, and I just kind of like uh, yeah it was uh, Matthew five uh, twenty eight. And so I added twelve to Matthew five sixteen, which was a big mistake because. That evening, she gets out with her calligraphy, calligraphy pen and is getting ready to <laughs> write out my life verse on a little plaque for me. And um, she opens the Bible to Matthew 5:28. If you even look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you have committed adul- adultery in your heart. And she gets on the phone and is like, Wes,
0: what is your life
1: verse? And I said... Let your light so shine before men that they may... Make... She said, you said Matthew 5.28. That is not Matthew. <laughs> you got the wrong address. So, anyway, I encourage you, if you have a life verse, not only memorize the verse, but memorize the address and, and get it right.
0: Thanks, babe. But I've actually told Wes, that's fine. He can keep that for his life verse. He can have that up on the wall of our house, right? <laughs> So um, verses uh, 27 uh, 27 and 30, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. Okay, well this is real comfortable to talk about, but anyway we're going to just dive in, okay? So how do you talk about lust to uh, a group of people that you love dearly? You know, we're just living in a ridiculously hard time that, you know, you would have to be uh, uh, living under a rock to not hear, see, and just we are just bombarded with lustful temptations everywhere you look. Can't even watch a good old Super Bowl nowadays you know it's like it's just it's just everywhere and you know I think just one of the things that makes um, this so hard is just how prevalent pornography is and it is just so out there it is such um, I don't know maybe easy if you will way to sin a way that no one has to know what you're doing at night when your spouse is in bed or whenever you're at your place alone your little safe space and just knowing that how do you deal with uh how do you deal with talking about lust and how jesus is just so warning us against it without in 2020 bringing up pornography it's like I don't know how you would get around it so I just said God I'll do this but you've got to really help me so what I did is I just went to um just Christians that are just trapped into this addiction and uh there are two, two sites out there. There's the, uh, the Barna study. I'm sure that most of you have heard, you've heard speakers come up and refer to Barna where it's, uh, the Christian, uh, polling place where they look at culture and just so many things in culture and they just have ways of, Monitoring and giving us lots of stats and a lot, lots of information. I think most ministers we do rely on just some of the findings of Barna because they're out there and they have really good and effective tools. There is a site called Covenant Eyes. That um, for a monthly charge, but they can put um, uh, filters on your computer that um, just help guard against that kind of crud being, uh, you know, brought into your home. But um, between Barna Group and Covenant Eyes, uh, there were a, there is a list of stats, and um, when I read these the other day. It absolutely brought me to tears I found it just frightening and alarming and it's not a subject obviously that I tend to deal with you know but um here's what I found 47% of families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home 11 is the average age that a child is first exposed to porn. And 94% of children will see porn by the age of 14. 56% of American divorces involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. 68% of church-going men and 76% of young Christians, adults 18 to 24 years old, actively search for porn. 59% of pastors say that married men seek their help for porn use. 33% of women aged 25 and under search for porn at least once per month. Only 13% of self identified Christian women say they never watch porn. 87% of Christian women have watched porn. 55% of married men. And 25% of married women say they watch porn at least once a month. And the last one, 57% of pastors say porn addiction is the most damaging issue in their congregation. So I just have to admit in a very, I guess, naive way, I knew it was a problem. I knew it was big, but I just didn't know it was that big. And, uh, you know, when you get a reading assignment or a, a teaching assignment like I did and with um, Pastor Scott, who's just doing an amazing job already as our as our interim pastor. And it's like, OK, w- you know, I don't know at our church. I'm just getting to know Scott and I don't know. Uh, uh, well, I know enough about our, our church to know that we don't have something in place to help um, address that. There are um, number one. Number one, there's Jesus. (laughs) You know, I mean, I just believe with all my heart, as I think most of you do, we believe in divine healing, and I believe that Jesus can heal minds and desires and take away that addiction. I believe that with all my heart, period. I also believe that there are tools, that there are counselors, and there are other people in the body that can help people who have this addiction. And I just want to commit to you as a body that I want to pursue that a little further with Pastor Scott and with our church board and just knowing that, um, um, that there could be something out there just to, to help because I just think that, um, that's just a stat that I, I, I don't want that to happen on our watch. And, uh, so let's just pray about what it is. I know there's just, there are a lot of good resources. I know you had, uh, we were not here the Sunday that Shane, Uh, couch is that his last name excuse me but he preached and he has a really strong ministry in that area so maybe he would be a good resource person but I just don't want anyone to um, to leave here today without knowing that there's help number one in Jesus and there is a lot of good help out there and it is an addiction that can be broken it is an addiction that can be stopped Okay, now we'll go to verse 31. <laughs> and uh, talking about divorce. It was said, it was also said, whoever divorces him, his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery with whoever she married, When it, and whoever... And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Wow. Um, you know when uh, when Wes and I got married, and it's coming up to thirty nine years this summer, and I truly, I, <laughs> I truly married my best friend. I absolutely love my husband. And one of the things we talked about when we were uh, uh, engaged is that when we entered our marriage, we would never, ever, 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 ever use the word divorce. And so in our almost 39 years, we just have not used the word divorce, and it is not an option. It is off the table, and we don't joke about divorce. It's just we don't. And so I would just say to you people, if there's anyone in the room getting married anytime soon, okay, um, I just think that's a good rule to stand by. That divorce, that that, that that isn't an option. We also have seen the other side, and we have um, close friends that we walked through some really, really deep waters a few years ago. I just have a, a close girlfriend, and because of the subject that I last addressed, uh, that was just a huge, huge uh, area of uh, sin and conflict in their marriage. And it literally, pornography tore that couple apart, period. My friend is not virtuous, so it's not like you know she nor any of us women... Man, no one's perfect, okay? She was not a perfect wife. <laughs> you know, we, we just aren't. But anyway, um, what happened to her and to her marriage and to her family was, it was just horrible. And I actually went to divorce court with her. And, you know, just seeing her her now ex-husband there, you know, I just sat there and I was so... <laughs> Mad at the enemy that day I was so mad at the enemy and it was easy for me to look at him and if any type of hate or anything like that would have been there it just was replaced with just so hate, I just hated the enemy what he had done to that family and so just guard guard that sacred relationship that you have Guard it with all of your hearts. Guard it for you. Guard it for your salvation. Guard it for your your families and the others. And just know that those of us in our, you know, somewhat small church now, but we need each other. We need to see strong couples. You know, I mean, you know, you you just look around. You see Steve and Debbie. You see Tom and Annette. You see Ward and Glenda. And, you know, what we just need, we need these examples of you strong couples that are walking with Jesus, that love him through the ups and downs. Yvonne, I look at you and your strong marriage and just know that, you know, you're walking through some deep waters with Dan physically. But you guys have remained so strong and so faithful in your marriage and to each other. And just God bless you and Dan in a very, very special way. um you know without w- wanting to take any of this like um trite or just pass it off i mean you know i'm not a counselor and so i totally recognize that there are people that are and that people that could help address some of these things with you in a much more uh professional and accurate way but just um um you know, as a I don't mean this as an off the cuff resource, because I actually looked into focus on the family this week and I was an, I was amazed. I couldn't even count all the ways that they offer counseling and help. And, you know, um I I just want you to know that in this period where, uh, of course, we have Pastor Scott and we have a a strong church board and everything, but I want you to know that that's another tool that's out there, focus on the family. And, you know, whether it's uh, pornography or making your marriage stronger or working with your children or, you know, anxiety or anger management or whatever, they would have some tools that could help address that. So I would definitely, definitely... Uh, recommend uh, focus on the family so now the last chapter or excuse me still chapter 5 uh, verse 33 again you have heard <clears throat> that it was said to those of old you shall not swear falsely but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn and then skipping down to verse 37 let what you say be simply yes or no nothing more than this And so he's really wanting our yeses to be our yeses, our nos to be our nos, and to uh, be people of our word. Uh, It seemed like the the Pharisees were really caught up in, you know, if they would say it, they would say things like, you know, I just swear that you have to do this, or I just swear. And they kept saying, I swear that you do this, I do that. And it's funny because as I was reading this, I'm thinking, oh, that's probably why my mom and dad, when we were little kids, they didn't let us say, I swear. Like you could not say, I swear I'm going to go to the store. You know, you just, we just didn't talk like that. I don't know. Do other families have that? Debbie, you had to have that rule, right? <laughs> well, anyway, that's where, maybe that's where they got it, okay? But he, excuse me, he wants our nos to be no and our yeses to be yes. When we, when we take an oath, when we take a pledge, those commitments, those are, those are to be true. We are to take those not lightheartedly. So I know with like my marriage to Wes, that is a really, really strong commitment. Now, it was interesting prior to even getting this assignment. Wes asked me probably three weeks ago, Judy, I can't find our marriage certificate. So he was just going through our files and everything. And it's like, oh, well, I know where it is. And we went through our files, which I think are pretty organized for our personal, you know, important stuff. And we can't find our marriage certificate. So, you know, he said he thinks we might be living in sin. And I said, we'll find the paper. (laughs) I don't want to undo what I just did now, right? Okay. But anyway, um, you have your ring on, right, (laughs) bud? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Another commitment we made is when we had our four children dedicated. So, as you know, we started off with the twins, and not because they're twins, but we actually did have them dedicated twice. Our home church was Newport Mesa down in Orange County, and our pastor then was George Wood. And so Pastor Wood dedicated Jonathan and Heather, and then my dad at the time was serving with Mel Johnson at Glad Titan. So we came up to San Francisco so Dad could dedicate uh dedicate our twins, but that was a day that we took uh, an oath, if you will, in front of the church family that we would raise our children to love Jesus with all of their hearts, and I think that we can check that one, that we kept that one. Um, When I was thinking about another commitment that i made and it was probably about oh i'm guessing 21 years ago i signed a a little card can't find that card but anyway (laughs) i signed something uh when i became a member of christian life center and so I just thought, uh, again, in studying this, I thought, what did did I sign? (laughs) What did I sign up for when I became a member? And so uh, without taking time to read to you uh, the whole commitment card, there were three commitments that I made to, uh, to this church body when I became a member 21 years ago. Number one would be my commitment to Jesus Christ. Number two would be my commitment to you, the body of Christ. And with God's help, I think that I'm fulfilling on staying committed to you as the body of Christ. And then number three is my commitment to the work of Christ that we're doing through this body here. So, Joel and Mandy, when we partner with missionaries like you, it's part of our commitment and our, re, uh, and our outreach. So, whether through our ministry with U.S. missions and, and supporting so many other missionaries and uh, doing good works, good things of God uh, in our community and beyond, we're doing this together as part of our commitment. So, where does that leave us today? Well, as you can imagine, lots of prayer went into today. And just trying to think how do you end a sermon like this when you've kind of uh you know gone gone in, gone in for the kill on some issues. Um, <clears throat> when I talked with uh Nate this week uh I was suggesting one song to close, and he wasn't familiar with that. And I said, absolutely, no problem. Whatever you have planned, you know, we'll, we'll go with that. Well, the song that Nate and his team, and you can come up now, Nate, okay. The song that uh, Nate and his team are going to lead us in is Come Thou Fount. And in that song, as I was just looking uh, at the words, there's one phrase, and if I'm going to be honest, I never knew exactly what it meant. And it was the phrase when it says that uh, 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 that I'll lift up my Ebenezer. And as I started doing some research on this, I found out that it was in Samuel, 1 Samuel, verses 7 through 10. So I'm going to get away just for a minute on the sermon of the mount but see how i believe that god is going to help tie all this in as samuel was offering up the burnt offering the philistines drew near to attack israel but the lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the philistines and he threw them into confusion and they were defeated before israel And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below Bethkar. Now listen to this. Then suddenly Samuel, he took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shin and he called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the King James says it this way, which is like Anne of Green Gables kind. But uh, when um, when he lifted up the Ebenezer, he said, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So I think today, hitherto, we need God to help us. So what I would like to do is I would like for us to all please stand and I would like for us to turn around. I think the rows in the back, the back two or three rows, you may have to go to the sides of the sanctuary, but I'd like for you to turn around and look up at our stained glass window. The stained glass window, the picture of Jesus, we do not worship that. We do not pray to that image. It only serves as a reminder to the Christ that we love. And as we sing this song, which will be on the screen up there, Come Thou Fount, I want this to be our closing prayer, and I know we're going to need very good vision to see this, okay? But uh, let's let Nate and his team lead us in this song, please. Would you just help us? Would you look down on each of our hearts? And God, help each one of us this week. Help us to be overcomers. Lord, if there is one person in here who struggles with anger anger management, please, Jesus. Heal that person, give them insight, and or lead them to sources that could help them. Don't let them feel like that defines them or that's how they always will have to be. No, God, break that cycle. Lord, if there's one person in here that has a problem with pornography, I pray, God, that you will just have them have such a distaste, such a... No longer such a desire for that, that you will just help be in their hearts to help turn them toward you. Let them see that this is wrong. God, that you are saying these things for our own good. I pray if there's anyone here and their marriage has grown cold, Jesus, that their hearts have grown hard. Or Jesus, there just isn't that that romance or that spark that there should be. God, please restore that. Let there be joy and love and just just let our marriages be thriving here at CLC. God, I pray for anyone who is just a person that they say things and they really mean they want it they want it to be the truth, but just sometimes it just doesn't come out as truthful. Again, God, these are all things that you told us that would help us just be people of integrity, people of the spirit. So Jesus, help us with our very human weaknesses. Help us when we are when we're prone to wander. God, bring us back into that fold and that covering with you. And I pray for our church that you will just put a covering over CLC. Thank you for bringing Pastor Scott to us. Thank you for our board. And we just ask, God, that you'll continue to direct our leadership during this rather difficult season. But thank you, God, that as we lift that Ebenezer, we know that there you were with us there you were our helper and i just pray that as we come in here and look at that stained glass window that that will in some way be our ebenezer and that we will know that you have helped us that you have helped us to be overcomers on personal levels and with our church family we ask you this now in jesus name amen